Welcome, anxious humans. I'm Stacey Sorgen, and this is the Anxious Entrepreneurs Podcast. If you are a warrior, an overthinker, someone who plans for every option and iteration of life, you are in the right place. In each episode, we'll explore what makes us unique, weird, and awesome, and how it might be exactly what helps us succeed as entrepreneurs. What if our so-called flaw is actually a tremendous gift and attribute? Let's dig deeper. It's nice to meet you. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Pamela Brown is a gifted and certified shamanic practitioner and Reiki master. She specializes in assisting trauma survivors in their healing journey, as well as guiding highly sensitive people and empaths to an empowered state of living. I'm so excited to dig into this episode and for you to learn more about Pamela, but I do want to be sensitive to the nature of of this episode, and I do want to give a trigger warning to those who may have experience with domestic abuse um, and stalking. So please keep in mind that these things are in this episode. And if that isn't the episode for you, if this isn't the place for you, I hold space for you and I invite you to listen to our next episode. Pamela has some absolutely amazing things to share about her story, her history, her beliefs, and how her current work has allowed her to heal from things that she has experienced in the past. And my hope is that it may inspire you, it may help you to know that you're not alone, that it may help to guide you on your own journey. But I understand if this is too close to home. So I thank you so much for your consideration, for listening, for keeping an open mind today, and for holding space for our good friend Pamela. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're here today, Pamela Brown. I'm so excited to have an opportunity to talk to you, to learn more about you and your life. A welcome to the Anxious Entrepreneurs. Pamela, I would love if you could uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and talk a little bit about who you are, where are you from, what do you do? Okay. That sounds great. Um, thank you so much for, for having me here. I'm just honored to be in this space and format with you to, to talk to your listeners and share a little bit about myself. I um, was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and pretty much lived in Washington my whole life. Uh, I love it here. I love the nature and being able to be out near mountains and water and um, animals and, and all of the greenery. So um, I have loved living in this state. I haven't really done a lot of traveling, but um, look forward to doing that in the future. I'm a middle child of a family of seven, and I have four children, and it's been an interesting life, to say the least. I just had my 51st birthday yesterday, and 
Um, being an April Fool's baby, always had a lot of jokes um, about <laughs> when I was young. My, my siblings would play jokes um, on, sounds like, mostly my mom or me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, April Fool's helps people to kind of remember my birthday, I guess. But um, I didn't have too many jokes, but it was, it's been uh, quite a ride to be here now and at the age that I am and really reflecting on my life and so many lessons and the wisdom that comes in from the experience with age. And I'm mm -hmm. constantly learning and growing every day. I feel like that's awesome. I didn't know that you were in a family of seven. Yeah. <laughs> that is a big, yeah, that's a big family. And you have it four, is. four kiddos. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I happy, know. happy birthday. Oh my gosh. An April fool's baby. I guess that's better than being like a tax day baby. Like <laughs> reasons to remember. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My mom, um, interestingly, she had uh, three, first three kids kind of close together and then waited five years to have me and then another five years to have um, the next ones and those two were close together and then as I'm graduating high school at 18 my mom becomes pregnant again I think she was like 44 and I was like what in the heck <laughs> so she's had seven kids but we have all these little little mini pods if you will so like one feels like an only child I had an only child feeling being in kind of the middle not uh old enough for the younger ones but too young for it to hang out with my older sisters and and they're all uh six girls um one boy so um my brother was uh the sixth one <laughs> and so for, to have five girls I think they just kept you know hoping for a boy and eventually they got one so yeah a lot of girl energy there <laughs> wow so can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do and has your upbringing impacted the work that you do now? Yes, that's a great question. Um, pretty much a lot of my, you know, per se career uh, was in the medical industry. I kind of just like fell into that. Um, it's interesting. I really wanted to go to, you know, my big dream, the whole movie of Devil Wears Prada was like probably much like that was my life that I wanted. I, I grew up loving fashion and um, pageantry. I I think my first few um, childhood dreams were watching the Miss America pageant on TV. And it was really about the grace and elegance of women and seeing them be so confident and carry themselves across the stage with these beautiful um, dresses and and so I grew up, you know, loving that, loving fashion. And I, my, my whole idea was I wanted to work for um, a magazine, like a fashion magazine, like Vogue. And this was back when, you know, magazines were, were our big media. And I thought, oh, I'd love to put outfits together and play with clothes and makeup and jewelry and all of this stuff. So I had a very much um, passion for this aspect of um, expression, fashion, and um, I still do. And that's kind of what led into, um, I'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, my business. Um, and so I, anyways, I stumbled into this, um, basically it was a walk-in clinic and just uh, shortly out of college. And um, a lot of what experience was in everything that supports a medical office from reception to insurance to scheduling. And, and so that was where um, 
you know, once I became a mom, and that was around 21 years old was when I became a mother, a lot of that experience was around working in the medical field. Not per se really what I would have wanted for myself, but what made sense. And so um, it's interesting as time went on, I I took other odd jobs and things like that. I worked in a mall and um, jewelry and just different things as we moved. But really, it's been an interesting career journey because now I'm a shaman. <laughs> and it's like, how do you end up here when you think about it? <laughs> but um, what really happened was um, I had a relationship that, you know, at 14, I met um, the father of my kids and and was in a 24-year relationship there. We got married, and um, it, it turned out not so, I want to say not so great, not what you aspire to as, um, you know, when you're young and you're thinking about your, your life and how it's going to all turn out. I remember thinking, how did I end up here? Um, with, it, with my upbringing, it was... Uh, my my parents were um, Mormon, and so we went to church every Sunday, and it was like, here's the path to, you know, your forever life of happiness is, you know, you marry this returned missionary, and and um, it was pretty much like, this is the path. And so, um, we did meet at the church dance, and I thought, here's somebody that, you know, knows my beliefs and is in harmony with that, and we have the same goals and dreams. And um, it, it really turned out that there was some real <laughs> serious issues there. And I didn't know a lot about like mental illness or, um, you know, narcissism and sociopath and all these things that kind of evolved, you know, developed over the time. But it was a, a very toxic relationship. But um, from that, I, I had uh, a lot of health issues as that relationship fell apart. And it was through that basically a pretty much a wounded healer story of I was trying to find ways to heal myself and I was using everything in the, you know, what I knew in the medical wheelhouse of my experience of trying to heal, my, heal myself, seeing different doctors, um, you know, trying everything under the sun and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. I had a lot of um, stomach issues. Um, they thought I had ulcer, digestive, this, you know, it just, the list went on and, and so um, it was actually <laughs> kind of how we met was uh, through Jessica Butts, and she uh, she had a shaman there named Jenny Dawn, who she partnered with, and um, a friend of mine was going to see her, and so it just kind of opened the story like, what's a shaman? And a friend had gifted me, actually it's a still, um, I don't know who did it to this day, um, a session with her. So I have the session with um, Jenny Dawn as a shaman, and um, it really, I was completely intrigued, but I had not had a lot of energy work done, and so um, I didn't feel a whole lot, to be honest, other than uh, when, at the end of one of the, one of the sessions, she said, um, you know, did you see anything? And And I thought, well, at the very end, you know, it was like this black movie screen, and it was like a tight, you know, like a tight, brighter font and it went down the whole page and it just kept, um, the same words kept repeating and going down this like long scroll type thing. And it said, I am a healer. And so I said that to her, I'm like, you know, 
I got this message that I saw this writing. It says I'm a healer. And she, she was like, yeah, of course you are. And I thought, what? <laughs> I wow. was pretty shocked. I was pretty shocked by that. I, it was not on my awareness at all. I'd have to say I was, was like, what does this mean? I don't understand this, but you know, how am I a healer? What does that even look like? But really after those sessions, I couldn't, um, stop thinking about it. I'd really like, what is a shaman? Um, what is their path? All this stuff. And as I did the research, I realized, oh, wow, my life actually lines up a lot with what a shaman is. They, they often have many near-death experiences. And I thought all these different things in my life were very isolated. But when I look back on it, I was like, oh, I had a near-death experience here and here. And, you know, it turned out to be like seven and um oh my goodness <laughs> yeah and you know through that relationship that I learned so much from that that first 24 year marriage that you know have these wonderful children from is that you know I nearly died from that relationship and I thought wow you know really there's when we, you know, look back and connect the dots, we can see things, but we often just have things that happen to us and we just move forward and we're just like, oh, that's weird. Or, you know, it's always that moving forward. We don't often don't have time to reflect on the things that are happening to us and why they're happening and what is the meaning of all this. And it was very much a lot of survival and um, uh, just reactive energy to what was going on. That is <laughs> fascinating. Um, I yeah. have to say, though, that the first time I ever met you at an event, uh, we met at an event, um, that from the moment that you told me who you were and what you did, I considered you, like I, I at that time, you know, wouldn't have necessarily connected you with shamanism or that particular work, but based on what you were passionate about as we talked, I knew you were a healer of some sort when the work that you did for patient advocacy and the work that you did for survivors of domestic abuse. And um, I just was like, you are like a natural born helper. <laughs> and I knew, knew that from the first time yeah. that I met you. So it's so yeah. interesting when you say that you, you know, you're always moving forward. I can relate. And I bet that so many people listening can relate to that. The always looking for what's next and just trying to make it through the right. current moment that we don't have the reflection. You know, we don't have those moments of reflection and being able to connect the dots like you were saying. So I think sometimes we, we don't know what we're capable of, right? Until someone kind of shines a mirror up for us to be able to see ourselves reflected, what we're worth, what we're capable of, what our patterns have been. And it sounds like now this is the work that you're doing for so many <laughs> other people. And I, I love yes. what you said, the wounded healer story I've never heard that before oh. but totally I think so many people listening can probably relate because now what they do is so tied to what they did to heal their own stories their own messes their own um, traumas exactly I I had so much trauma that my body literally was you know, falling apart and pain was the biggest way of like getting my attention which pain is often um, our, our way to wake us up and, and see like, Hey, there's something going on. 
And I had so much body pain. I had developed fibromyalgia. I had insomnia. I had um, depression, of course, anxiety, PTSD. I There were so many things to address that um, it almost hurt to, like, be barely touched. And um, I was like, you know what? I, it's so difficult to live like that, especially if you're um, kind of a, a strong personality and you're used to, like, a lot of, like, uh, moving energy you need to be busy and accomplishing and productive and all this and it's just just like slowed me down I, I could hurt I was barely functional and it just felt um, very very um, trapped and stuck and all of this energy that just didn't feel great and it really got me to explore like what is going on here and I started to kind of connect some things that had happened to me and it was like again looking back um, where really I felt these this kind of spiritual experience was, um, you know, there was uh, a time in my life that was a really dark period, and this was when, um, you know, my ex was being um, investigated for um, sexually abusing my children, and uh, I had to get a protection order, and he violated that, and. You know, I worked at the hospital at the time. The whole wing of the hospital was shut down, and um, his friend called in to warn me that he had, you know, was talking about hurting me. And I just I could hear the sound in this guy's voice, and my my hair on my arms like stood up, and I'm just like, how is this happening? And and uh, then I saw him on the grounds when, um, you know, he was supposed to. Uh, I got the protection order, and it was just, you know, you're not supposed to go around work and all these other things. So it, there were certain things that were really trying to get my attention. And um, so I'm I'm going into, long story short, but I was going into the police to talk to them about some more things I had learned um, regarding, you know, abuse with my children. And I didn't know this at the time, but he had set up, and I'm totally not tech savvy, so... Um, he set up a passcode into my phone, and so he was always checking my phone, and I didn't notice at the time, but, like, stalking me. And I saw, and I saw him, like, before, like, watching me at my work, and I just thought, oh, that's weird. This was kind of before things disintegrated at that point, but I, he was very much, like, you know, checking emails, checking things on my phone, and um, I was going, I called in to make a, an appointment with the police officer to, you know, give more information, and the police officer called and left a, left a message back on my phone. And he called in and retrieved and heard this message. And I, I had no idea that he was doing this. And so I'm getting ready for work. And um, I had the locks changed by this point. And this was something else I didn't realize is he had made a, a copy of the key. And so I didn't know that he had access to the house. And so I'm getting my makeup on and getting ready for this appointment and the officer calls to to confirm it or something like this and he hears this message so he knows I'm going into the police he's already under investigation there was a lot more that I didn't know about it was really just the very scratching of the surface is what had come out and so he was just really um, full of anxiety and just um, not doing well and I think he was really afraid that more was going to come out. So he was super hyper vigilant at this point. And I hear the key um, in a door open. And before I know it, he's standing in front of me and 
and his hands were like shaking and his, the whites of his eyes were huge. And he's like, you know, why are you talking to the police? And, you know, at the time I just was like, I was shocked, but then I became angry. I was like, why are you, how do you know that? Like, why are you checking my phones? And he's like, I'm going to fucking knock your head off. And just at that point, we started, you know, fighting and he pushed me back behind, um, you know, there was a toilet right behind me. So eventually he gets all of his weight over me and his hands around my throat and he's strangling me. And I, everything, you know, it's just like the movies, everything happens so fast in that instant, like things slow down, but yet it's going really fast. And, uh, I just thought of all the years that I, all the things that, that I had been through in this relationship to, to stand by this person and always be, you know, that partner in the corner for him, um, uh, words that other people had said about that I never believed. It was like, oh my gosh, this is true. And because I was seeing and feeling like there's this whole other side of him that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. And I was able to lift his fingers off of my throat to just kind of ver- to get the words out to say, and I just was like, why are you doing this to me? And it was literally like, a light switch went on like a snap of of your fingers and he blinked and just all of a sudden like stopped and looked like what was happening. And, um, he's like, well, come on, you know, let's, I need to talk to you. I just want to talk to you. And he starts pulling me out of the house. Now at this point I had felt just before this happened when this like light switch moment was this, this flush of energy, like, um, I want to say like, you know, if, if a, like a ghost had walked right, right between us. So that's kind of like what pulled him off of me and he pulled back and, um, I was like, Oh, okay, that was weird. But again, everything's happening very fast. So at this point he was trying to get me um, out of the house. Uh, there was an apartment right above us. And so there had been so much crashing of furniture and things that I think that he thought, um, that we had made enough noise that it was going to alert this neighbor. And right. so he's trying to get me in the car <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so all these things are rushing through your mind. Like, Oh, if I grab my phone, I can dial 911 from my pocket, but it, it was a flip phone and I was in slacks and I'm like, I can't do that. And so I decided to make a, a run for the, the house phone. And, you know, I start dialing 911 and he grabs the phone and smashes it against the wall. And so then I run to the door and I just get it cracked open enough before he overpowers me and I just scream out for help and, and he shuts the door and I'm just like, Oh my gosh. So the whole time I'm trying these different things and he's still, you know, like, no, let's get out. I just want to talk to you. And my mind is saying, no, you, you're, you're not wanting just to talk to me, but you know, when you're in that kind of trauma response, uh, you're in a state of shock. And so part of me was just like, kind of like, Oh, okay, go along. Um, you're, you're following what that person is saying. Um, but the other side of me, which was the spirit side was like, do not get in the car. It was very, it's starting to be very, very loud. And it said, do not get in the car, do not get in the car, do not get in the car. And so I'm, I'm looking around the street. It's, um, everyone's at work. There's no one outside. I know I can't, I can't outrun him. So, um, I'm just, my mind's racing. And this is, I'm, Getting into the car, I noticed out the corner of my eye, there's a man in my, my driveway on a bike with a phone. 
talking and he looked like a sheet of white. So I knew he had seen what had happened. Oh, and wow. I thought, huh, <laughs> I thought if I could just run to him, <laughs> you know, if I could just hide behind this, this guy, you know, maybe he'll, he, he'd leave me alone. So I do that. I run, I run to this guy. I hide behind him and he ends up taking off in a car and leaving. So this this gentleman was my neighbor that actually lived across the street, the street that we, we didn't really talk. And, um, the police weren't that far away. And so he was on the phone with them and, you know, a a police officer came and he was all jacked up with his adrenaline because he's like, Oh, I'm so close. You know, the police really want to support and help, you know, um, (laughs) the citizens. And so I was super appreciative of law enforcement that day. I got to tell you that because, um, at the same time, he's being investigated, and now this event happened, this assault, and I knew he was going to, he was already talking about, like, leaving the country and all this stuff, so I have all kids all in different schools, and I thought, he's going to take the kids because he really was, you know, saw us all as, like, possessions and very much pieces of him. They were all pieces of his identity, so... I thought, oh, oh he he's going to grab one of the kids or all of them and try to leave. So all these different um, law enforcement agencies are going to all the schools <laughs> and trying to, to grab all my kids. And I call into work like, hey, this horrible thing happened. I'm not going to be in. Uh, my sister came to the porch. But as I was sitting there and waiting for law enforcement, the interesting thing happened was that I couldn't describe it or put into words because I really didn't have a spiritual framework um, to understand what had happened. But I felt like all of these like angry souls, if you will, if you could like picture them, like these angry souls of women who had been killed coming up out of this pavement that I'm looking at in front of my house. And I remember thinking like, why was I spared? Why, um, why did other women have to die? Um, and I could feel their anger and their, and I didn't know what to do with like that. Like, what was that about? What was happening there? Yeah. And I realized later on that that was, um, you know, as he was strangling me and, you know, I had a, I didn't know what the word was, but premonition, I saw a vision of me lying down on the ground dead. I, I, that was like, Oh my gosh, this is where it's ended up. I'm going to die. And I could see my body um, lying there, my kids coming. And that was, thinking about that and seeing that is, is actually what was able for me to, to get my hands off uh, his, my throat to speak. So, like, that whole experience came in and brought this, like, this, and I call it angel intervention, but this, that wishing energy that I didn't know was like a spirit of an angel that had came in. I call it, um, I know it's Angel Michael, but he came in for this protection energy because I guess it wasn't my time and got him to, you know, stop what he was doing and see. Now, I do know that had I got into that car, I probably would be alive to this day. Um, And that's why that spirit was so loud and saying, do not get into the car. And so... I'm really grateful that I did not get into the car. Oh my gosh. I'm so yeah. grateful that you didn't get into the car either. <gasps> yeah. And it I'm, was crazy. I'm so sorry that crazy. this happened to you. Oh my goodness. 
you know, the thing was, I never realized I was in this domestic violence relationship. I remember sitting in a county office and they had a pie chart. And I just, you know, stood up and I'm looking at the pie chart and it was talking about the forms of control and domestic violence. And I'm reading around the pie chart and I'm like, okay, that's one. And as I go around it, I'm like, I am every single piece <laughs> on this pie piece, this chart. And I'm like, whoa, wow. how, how did this happen? Because he never physically hurt me. And that to me and my, you know, um, people that, um, you know, are unhealthy and toxic in these ways, they like know your limits. So they know like, oh, this is where I can draw the line. So for me, I knew that, you know, a man should, or, and or women shouldn't hit each other. And so that to me was like, oh, that's domestic violence. But everything else under the sun was, was what I was living through. So wow. the fact that there wasn't physical abuse was really, um, you know, that abuse is easier to, easier to heal from, you know, broken bones and whatnot. Not that that's, you know, minimizing it by any means, but it's those emotional wounds that take the longest. Yeah. I, I thank you for bringing that up because um, who knows who could be listening, who's experiencing similar things and is thinking the same thing. Well, I haven't physically been touched. So I don't know if it technically right. is domestic violence or domestic abuse. Um, something that you said um, is fascinating and thank you so much for sharing such an intimate and personal story. Um, I honor your experience and I'm so incredibly glad that you were here to tell us about this. Um, there, you know, I'm going to get personal for a second and just say yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, I think that when we are in relationship with people who gaslight us, when the, there are people who push our limits so much and with such vigor that every time they push, we take, even though we might not know it, the smallest step back and we become exactly. less and less of our true selves, that bo both of these things lead to us kind of losing our, our view of our life, but also losing trust in our intuition. Oh. I'm so glad you picked up on that. I think that when I look back, the things that really hurt, you know, and, and also I see in other people is when we actually don't listen to ourselves. So there was like some agreements that I made after this relationship going forward, like I'll never put up with this. And I ended up putting up with some things that I said I would never do again. And that one of those was like, I'll never be with a person that is violent in front of me. And so it's when we break those agreements and we don't listen to our intuition. So like for a time I was like, Oh, my picker must be off. Like I'm just picking these, um, you know, unhealthy people. Well, I, I was still attracting because I had not changed and done any really heal, any really healing work. I was still attracting mm -hmm. in this type of stuff. And it was, it was partly because like I, I, didn't trust myself. I wasn't listening to my intuition. I, and, and there was many experiences crazily that I would put myself in very, very kind of dangerous situations, by just kind of being not being really, um, being naive, I guess, you know, it would be the best word, but I'm like, wow, Pamela, what are you doing? You know? So I just 
it was like, I have no business <laughs> even dating or being in a relationship at this point. But the real harm is in how these experiences affect and change us. And that's one of the things why I work with particularly trauma, trauma survivors. I've lived through that, a lot of that through through childhood and then this these relationships and experiences. But we, we learn, um, we oftentimes don't learn, that, you know, this was just an experience to have to gain some wisdom, to, to gain some insight, to be able to help other people. But we don't do the healing work until we repeat this. And without that, I feel like we are, we are here to do a mission. And these things kind of like hijack us. We're, we're now doing this, this unhealthy loop over and over, keep attracting the same things, just different, different situations. Because they're all mirrors, like, trying to help us heal from these situations, um, from all sorts of stuff that we pick up uh, in our life, and that becomes this the story. And it's really not. Yeah. It was just, like, meant to be a lesson. Yeah. Here now, here now, we're not on our mission anymore because these experiences have taken over, and we haven't got past it. Definitely. I feel like as we are treated a certain way, we start to view ourselves in the way that we feel like we deserve to be treated because we're treated such a way in a relationship. And, you know, like I, like I said, the, the gaslighting and the pushing of limits and, you know, as we break agreements to ourselves or promises to ourselves, um, it's been my experience that, uh, you know, it's it's a hard thing to get back again. And as I yeah. do, have worked with lots of different clients and a lot of different capacities, one of the things that I talk about a lot is, um, you know, how um, our body kind of whispers to us. And I know that this might sound a little bit silly to anybody who's listening, <laughs> but I think that our, you know, when we are hungry, like our body sends us a whisper, right? And as we become yeah. more hungry, that whisper gets louder until there's a certain point, I think, that it's, we stop hearing it. We're not willing to listen to it. Same thing happens with people who are like, I, I am a night owl. Like, I, I don't like to go to bed until really late. And I'm like, well, do you ever like hear your body? <laughs> Like I'm ready to go to go to sleep, you know, maybe it's just not right. talking to you anymore because you stopped listening to it. And as we right. start listening for those things, they come back. But I feel like one of the hardest things for me to hear after a really abusive relationship was intuition coming in again, because I had doubted it. Like I had doubted right. myself and doubted that huge innermost part of myself, this, this gut feeling or this intuition. Now I listen to it first. I listen to it first. It's time for this week's small business shout out. I'm so excited to introduce you to Lacey Jane. She is the owner and operator of Highly Anticipated. You can find her and more information at highlyanticipated.net. But she is just fantastic with web design, with um, graphic design of all types. She also does a ton of marketing. But Lacey doesn't just create a one and done type website for you. She thinks about what 
will enable you to grow in the future? What will your needs be as you grow? What are the needs for the consumers who are coming to your website? And she ties it all together so that you have a website that you can grow into. And I just love that she has the foresight to be able to see these things, things that not even I can see. I'm always surprised when I come to her and I say, I just need this one little thing. Um, but she asks the best questions and they include not one, but all the functional areas of my business. And the unique fingerprint that distinguishes Lacey is her recognition of the undercurrent that the client doesn't think to ask for. Client meaning me in this case. <laughs> so she generously provides that as part of her service and she and what she does are so incredibly valuable. I hope that you'll visit highlyanticipated.net and book a consultation with Lacey Jane today. Thanks so much. Let's head back to our episode. I'm curious if, you know, you had that experience as well, like being able to listen to your intuition and being able to push into the work that you do now, if you struggled to, to get there, being in the place that you were before, and how was your healing process as you did that? Because I'll be the first to say <laughs> that I think that the reason so many of us get past the healing and just go, hey, yeah, that was a great lesson. I'm just going to move on right now is because it's dang painful. It is painful right. to heal. And sometimes it feels just easier to cover it up. So I'm curious if you could share a little bit about your healing experience, how you came to lean into your intuition again. Um, I live with intuition now. I, it's so strong. Um, and, and the more you listen to it and act on it, the stronger it gets. And it's now like a huge superpower and resource that I could not live without. I, I use it in sessions with people. I use it in my everyday um, I used to um, not know that it was intuition. I thought, oh, that's just my mind. So this whole walk of like re refining and, and coming back and healing myself, you know, um, we all have intuit intuition, but we have learned not either to listen to it or like you said, other things come into play and other traumas and, and other stories start to take over and those become more louder, those, those thoughts and stories. But um I, I remember driving past something. Uh, it was a person on the side of the road that had a sign. And I would always send him like, oh, love for my heart and hope good blessings and things. And, and then, you know, now I started to keep one so that it was like, if I ever see someone, I want to be able to pull over. Well, it was at this busy light. And I knew once I heard the intuition to help this gentleman, I'm like, I know I, it will it will haunt me. I won't be able to turn it off like I used to. So I turned around and I parked over here and it was just around Christmas time. I think it was, and ended up having to cross some heavy intersections. And before I, you know, it was like, Oh, if it was convenient, I would give, you know, when I had the money, but this one I had to work out a little bit. And as I'm crossing over to this gentleman and I, you know, I give him a hug and stuff. I didn't realize the other cars had been watching me and some guys honking and he was like, thank you for that. And all that. And it's, just, we don't realize the acts of kindness and, you know, being there for other people, but, you know, maybe I was that person's angel, you know, for that day. But we have these promptings, I call them promptings too, but these intuitive hits that were meant to do something. And, you know, I, it just, it was what I needed to. So 
it was a win-win. So I really feel like the more we listen to it and then act on it, the stronger it is. And then we have this whole other resource, especially as like highly sensitive people, we pick up on more things and we can talk about that in a minute, but you are more uh, aware of this, you know, invisible veil of things of energy, this world that we live in where things aren't just, you know, what we can see and touch, but um, this, that intuition is such a wonderful guide and it's a way for us to, you know, find things out that aren't just right in front of us and to follow, you know, our path, all that we get messages and synchronicities and things all the time from our guides and teams that want to help us. But if we're not, you know, having that awareness and slowing down and checking in, you know, sometimes it's turning off the radio. Sometimes it's in the moment of quiet. And I realize, you know, how quiet is my mind? How quiet is my world where I can really hear intuition speaking and getting guidance and support and help? But I really kind of liken my healing journey to like Hansel and Gretel and the breadcrumbs. Like it was really following what was also where I was being intuitively led. So during my time of dark night of the soul, I had never heard of this term. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I felt like I was going crazy and I couldn't sleep. And so I, you know, get on the phone and I find this guy, uh, the term dark night of soil. And I'm like a soul. And I'm like, what is that? That's, I, I'm not able to sleep. <laughs> this really feels like a dark night <laughs> that keeps happening over and over. So I would find these great people that kind of would lead me with the next bit of information. So my healing journey was really following what was being placed in front of me. I used to use uh, Oracle cards and, and I would get a message from something like that. And so I started trying to find things that would give me just like a little bit, give me a somewhere to go. And so, you know, that was another tool that I used, but, you know, going back, I, I found this guy named Trevor Islesley, who is, I think he's in Ireland or Scotland, but he's like an authority on Dark Knight of the Soul. And so having, and I ended up, he was the first kind of healer type that I did a, did a Skype session with him. I didn't even know how to set the computer. I'm like all nervous in this, but it was so validating to my experience to be like, oh, this is what's happening. Okay, I'm not going crazy. Oh, this is what it's about. Oh, it, it started to, I could feel the energy of like the, you know, other side of the spiritual woo-woo stuff of how much love and support I had when really I felt so alone for so much of my life. I talked about, you know, being in this big family, but, you know, many times feeling alone as a kid, not, um, you know, that old soul thing of like, you know, being more mature than kids my age, not really having friendships that, you know, friends with a lot of people, but not, you know, close relationships. I felt very alone and lonely and not not sure how to explain all this stuff because, you know, by the time I was 14, I had shut down a lot of my psychic gifts, a lot of my, my powers and things like that. So I felt very much cut off. So it's finding these people that showed up on my path where I was like, Oh, I would learned about Akashic readings. And so everything was like giving me more and more information. I would find different healers and it was just amazing how, how all that developed to my healing. So I love the visual of Hansel and Gretel picking up their bread crumbs and like, you know, you, you finding your way one piece at a time. It's just brilliant. And I think that so many of us 
have similar experiences where, I mean, even the, in the process of like coming out, like we know that we're kind of different and like, we don't know maybe what it's called or like who, you know, in like my right. evolution of being a queer person, it was like, oh my gosh, that's a thing. Like other people are like me. And then like right. leaning into it and learning about it. And, you know, I feel like Absolutely. as, as we kind of have more spiritual things happen in our life, we could be the same way as we lean in and we listen, but I have a question for you about this listening and I would love for you to add and, and give your expertise to us if you'd be willing about this topic. Yes. So here's my question. Earlier, you mentioned okay. that like growing and listening to and strengthening your sense of intuition can be done in those quiet moments during the day. And I 100% agree. I feel like some of my best um, ideas and inspiration come to me in the shower. And that's one of the few places that there's like no external stimulation. I'm not listening to anything. I'm just alone with my thoughts. But for people who suffer from and, and battle with anxiety, I feel like sometimes we try to surround ourselves with kind of this external stimulation so as not to be there with our thoughts. Because right. sometimes when those things come up, we could be questioning what we're doing, thinking about worst case scenarios for, for everything that's happening in our life. Oh my oh, gosh. Love that. It has been such an honor and a pleasure to talk to you today. I have just a couple of kind of rapid fire questions to sure. ask you if you're open to it. I'd love to. Absolutely. <sighs> oh my gosh. So much food for thought. Thank you for bringing your, your expertise and your excellence and your creativity and your compassion and your vulnerability today. Thank you so much for bringing those things. Um, now, now we might get a little bit silly as we dig into okay, some other right. things. Okay, so first one, not so silly, but if you do have anxiety kind of coming up in your life or your business, what is something that you typically do in order to kind of bring yourself back down, calm yourself, chill out? Right. Great question. Music for me is probably one of my biggest uh, movers of energy. It really can help me switch my mood like on a dime, you know, having crystals going out in nature. I'm curious Absolutely. though, when you go to listen to this music, like what are you listening to? Do you have a favorite genre or perhaps a favorite song that just helps to ground you? Yeah, I have, um, I listen to um, Pandora and I have created sev several different stations that I can go to kind of based on my mood. It seems like my go-to a lot is Depeche Mode in like 80s. <laughs> 80s music is like my thing. <laughs> I love um, it. I have another one now that I listen to called Hailstorm, which has some, you know, it's it's definitely more of a, a grittier vibe. And that's, you know, kind of new for me. But sometimes it's 60s and 70s. But I love all different types of music. But I'd have to say my 80s is, is my ride or die. <laughs> oh, so good. How about movies? Is there a movie that you connect with a ton or just kind of brings you peace when you watch it? Yeah, um, I would have to say that I love the Rocky, Rocky movies and really anything that's like triumphing of the human spirit. Um, Shawshank Redemption is one that comes to mind. Um, but the Rocky one, I remember my dad, like when it came out, I was pretty young and I was like, what is this character? I don't understand it. And he would 
you know, please watch this with me. And I remember going, this is so dumb. You know, it was slow developing. And, but as I got older, oh my gosh, I don't think I can ever watch that movie and not cry <laughs> at the end. And it's really a scene where people triumph over being against the odds is always something that, that hits me right in my heart. I love those movies too. <laughs> and, a, and a good, good cry is always good too. No. You know, when you can, you know, yeah. you can count on a good cry from the end of a movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you talk about crying, that's another way. It's a great way to get rid of excess energy mm. is to cry because it's, we're releasing emotions. So, and we're now I used to be so um, afraid to cry, but, now it's like every time I cry, I'm like, oh, good, getting rid of stuff. Like, <laughs> yay, <laughs> that's gone. And that's kind of my marker, too. It's like I'm shut down and things aren't moving and something would normally um, hurt, you know, burn into my heart and I would feel emotion. I'm like, okay, something's up. What's going on? So, like, knowing how your body relates, but music and movies and things that make you feel are such a great way to deal with emotions and moving things and being connected. I love that. I, it's so, so true. I, I mean, it resonates for me as well. How about yes. a favorite food? Do you have a favorite food, Pamela? Um, I, I really, uh, I'm trying to get away from meat, but I still like can get a real hankering for a good steak. Um, but you know, it was interesting. I, my comfort food for a while was like, these chocolate um they're called nuggets <laughs> and they have almond in them and oh my gosh my daughter gave me some for my birthday and it brought back this memory of like I used to have a period where I was literally just sitting and watching tv binge watching tv and having these little chocolate nuggets or it might be Cheetos or uh, the crunchy Cheetos it was like there's certain times in my life where it's like this food really got me through you know and I would have judgment and oh I shouldn't be eating this and all this kind of stuff and finally I just was like release Pamela like that we're not meant to have all this all these hang-ups on stuff that we we get into our head about so it's being much more kinder and gentler with ourselves and I try to live by that I love so much that you said that like I'm a health and wellness professional and I think it's I think it's wonderful that we have foods that make us happy or remind us of our family or our childhood or you know that are like our, our special things that our grandma makes <laughs> I, oh, you know, I know. I, I warm chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> oh, warm chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that was probably my awesome, my go-to. I um, would just buy them in the, you know, easy to go packages. And it's like, I could only have one or two, but that was such a childhood thing of like, always, I always wanted this image. It was probably a dang commercial, but you know, where you would come home from school and there would be these warm chocolate chip cookies. And that meant, you know, I had a mother that loved me. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I will just make this for myself. And that, you know, sometimes that just that right there. So I think it's really honoring. Um, one of the questions I ask myself is what would wholeness feel like today? And it's that feeling of being whole because when the first time someone asked me that, I didn't know the answer and I was stumped. And usually I was like, Oh, what does this mean? Like I had no no language, I was didn't know where to start. And so I love how like these experiences of food, um, you know, entertainment, songs, things that um ignite our mind and body and spirit, songs, all these things are like, how do I feel whole and connected? 
And some of those questions can be like, okay, and this is today, that is a Cheeto. Today, that is a cookie. Like, <laughs> sometimes it's just simple things. Yeah, and, and food is, you know, I think it's it's amazing energy for our bodies to be able to do the things that we want to do. We have to power ourselves, but we also get to choose what we put into our bodies. And sometimes it's, it is lovely to have a freaking warm chocolate chip cookie. I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> I am I'm here. here like it. I have a juicer and I have, <laughs> you know, my daughters are helping me to be more, you know, healthy in my food choices and stuff. And I love that. So I think, you know, a lot of it is about that balance of, yeah. you know, if, if for you, it, you know, your food over here looks like that and that's great. And, you know, you can, and I look at people and they can inspire me to be like, okay, I can do that too. So it's just, really needing ourselves where we're at and not having yeah. judgment oh all foods are good foods oh yeah <sighs> i love that all right one last question this this is a hard one for people what okay. is some advice that you would give to yourself if you could go back and give yourself a message when you got started as an entrepreneur that is a great question i think so much of it is um, listening to your intuition, that conversation we had earlier, I wish that I would have listened to my intuition better, but also, I also know I tried to follow my path as closely as I could. And so each lesson is really, you know, got me to where I am right now. Um, I'm still figuring out the entrepreneurial thing. So it's not like I've been on it for a long time, but you know, I love what Jessica Butts talked about is don't do things you suck at. Like I would, I wanted to be perfect at everything, you know, and it's like, oh, if this is a weakness, that's meant I'm, I'm meant to conquer that and make that now my strength. And it's like, no, actually <laughs> people's brains work differently and, you know, hire out for that or get support with that. So I love that your first podcast was about a virtual assistant because that had been on my mind. Like these are not things that I am really excel at as an entrepreneur. And I wish I would have asked for help in that earlier. Like I knew it, but I didn't take action on it. So I think it's finding the things that you do really well, it's developing that, listening to that and the things that don't resonate or, you know, that you're having some kind of judgment about like, I should be this or I should be that. Let those kind of things go. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm down the road a little bit, I can see that, yeah, these are all just things that I needed to release and let go of. And it's okay to ask for help. I, I, I wish I would have asked for help earlier on. Um, that's something I'm still working on releasing. <laughs> Dang, that is good. Good, good advice. Thank you so much for being here today, Pamela. It was wonderful to have an opportunity to talk to you, to learn more about you and what you do. And I am just so grateful for your time and for the opportunity to dig a little deeper with you. Oh, thank you so much, Stacey. I appreciate so much of what you are as a friend to me. You reach out to me. You generally show up as this big hearted person that just wants to help uh, the world and everyone around it so much. And we need more people like you. So I, you are my first, <laughs> you're my first podcast. And so oh! I know that this <laughs> is only going to help me to show up more because that's been one of my fears is, you know, um, having gone through so much, it's kind of 
the energy can get overwhelming and I can get lost in some of the things that happened. And so that would kind of shut me down. So I appreciate you inviting me here and, and helping introduce the, the meaningful work that I do as a shaman and, and helping people. And I'm just excited to see where this goes for the both of us. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. I want to say a huge, huge thanks today to Pamela for being here to talk to us all. Pamela Brown is just such a fantastic person. You can find out more about her work by visiting her Facebook page. Um, also, I want to let you know that her office is at the Apothecary Wellness Center and Spa located in Burlington, Washington, if you'd like to book a session. Thank you so much to Brad Parsons of Train Sound Studios for editing and producing this episode, and also a huge thanks to Camille Bloom for her original music. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you go out into the world today with strength, bravery, and kindness. Da, 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 da.